We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's happening, Packer fans? Happy Wednesday! Welcome into an all-new episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I am your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks for joining me today. As we do every week, we are going to jump into the film from Packers Chargers and go over the best and worst players that I graded from the game, as well as some of the key notes and takeaways. So let's start there right away. I want to start on the offensive side of the ball because I thought the play design in this game was really, really good. Now, there was some stuff that didn't go great. You had the little end around to Jaden Reed, not the two good ones. You had the little one in the short yardage situation that ended up losing yards. You had a flea flicker where Ben Sims runs into AJ Dillon and they don't even get the, you know, the flea flicker back to Jordan Love on the play. There's another play where you've got offensive linemen and everyone going in every which direction. And like you end up with like just a line of blockers like stacked up and just, it's just a mess. So some of the execution and some of the play calling in certain situations wasn't always ideal. Matt LaFleur was really hard on himself after the game for the three consecutive run plays at the end when they had an opportunity to keep the ball and put the game away. Instead, they run it three times. They get nowhere per usual in the running game. And, you know, they have to punt the ball away and rely on their defense. It wasn't as squeaky clean as you would like. It never really is. But I thought some of the stuff they did was really, really fun. I thought they worked all layers of the field. We saw them have success deep, intermediate. You saw the deep uh, crossing routes. You saw you know wide routes. You saw middle of the field routes. You saw everything. And I thought they really stretched out this Chargers defense to the best of their ability. You saw them try to stretch it you know from a width standpoint with all the reverses and end arounds that they had some success with. Obviously, the two Jaden Reed plays they did the little sweep on the short yardage play they did not. The little uh, the end around excuse me to Christian Watson they did not either. But they they were trying different things to really spread that Chargers defense 
defense out and make them have to cover the entirety of the field. I thought they did a great job of that all day long. And then, you know, just kind of some of the concepts that they had to get the ball in the middle of the field, specifically to Dontavian Wicks. We saw it a little bit with Jaden Reed as well. And then as I've sort of mentioned all week long, just having very specific, unique roles for the wide receivers and tight ends and really utilizing their skill sets to the best of their abilities. That was my favorite part of this game plan and how they utilized all of their players and let them kind of cook in their own unique way. That's something that gives me a lot of hope moving forward that they kind of figured it out and what all these players do really, really well. And hopefully we can kind of continue to see that as the games progress through the remainder of this season. As I mentioned, there was still some sloppy execution. Um, it still is, It's like I said, it's never as perfect as you want it to be, but liked everything except for the run game. And that's, I think, one of the key takeaways here as well. The Chargers defense and specifically their defensive front is not good. This is one of those, like, if you can't run in this game against this team, I, I don't know when you can. It, it's it's to that level. This is a completely inept rushing attack. Now, they did get a couple things on the, the end arounds and reverses going, which credit to them for finding ways to be creative and still get yardage by handing the ball off. That's something. But you look at the actual running backs throughout the course of this season, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, both averaging under four yards per carry this year. That to me has nothing to do with Jones and Dillon for the most part. That is to me the blocking and the lack thereof up front. This offensive line cannot get movement. They are disjointed. They are all over the place. They are not hitting their landmarks. It's just, it is ugly ugly football when it comes to running the football. And that has to change and it has to get better. And one of my biggest things that I'm excited about from a Jordan Love standpoint is he has navigated this entire season in a pretty darn positive way without any ability to run the ball. And also with playing from behind quite a bit on the year too. Imagine Jordan gets a defense that he's not always playing from behind. And imagine he gets a running game where he can lean on that and have a better play action passing attack as well. To me, that is really a reason to be positive about Jordan because he's navigated the season without either of those things. There's been a lot that's been placed on Jordan's plate, if you really think about it, through the course of this year in his first year as an NFL starter, not to mention the inexperience that he has at all the positions surrounding him. So this has to get better from a running game standpoint. I don't think it's going to happen this year. I don't think all of a sudden that you're just going to look at this offensive line and be like, wow, they're all of a sudden they're mauling people. Don't expect that to be the case at all, but it, it has to get better. And I still thought as fun and as exciting as this passing game was, at, you know, throughout a good chunk of this game, the running game remains an unmitigated nightmare as it really has been all season long. From a defensive standpoint, I'll stick what I said to Perry and Alex and what I said to Justice the other night. This to me is a defense that got lucky with all the drops, the fumble that was caused by Kenny Clark, but the stumble I think led to it a little bit. I, I did not see a competent defense. Go out to Ross Uglum's uh, Twitter page and look at some of the videos that he posted of just this defense not communicating things well on the back end. There are receivers wide open all throughout this game. And it is not a, it's Carrington Valentine, or sorry, yeah, Carrington Valentine or Corey Valentine or Keyshawn Nixon in coverage, and they just can't stick with the guy. It's literally just missed assignments guys not communicating things effectively, getting assignments messed up, just really, really bad football in the secondary. Tackling still an issue. They had no real plan for stopping Justin Herbert until late in the game when they finally used Quay Walker as a little bit of a spy. Just those sort of things 
that are really, really frustrating and tough to watch. The Jonathan Owens play on the tackle, uh, or lack thereof, where the, the no-name tight end basically gets a free touchdown because Owens made such an awful, awful play on the on the tight end. Those are things that we've seen all year long, and I actually felt like it took a step back this week. And I know it didn't feel that way. 20 points, Justin Herbert, you know, Chargers offense that can be pretty explosive and put up 30 on anyone, limiting it, you know, them to 20 feels pretty darn good. It was the Chargers shooting themselves in the foot, and there's just no two ways around it. There, When I went, and we'll talk about this in a second, on my positive graded players, the highest graded player on defense was a plus 0.2. That's pretty much a neutral level player. My next was 0.15 and my next after that was 0.1. That that those are neutral days. Like nobody had a great game on defense for the Packers and there were plenty of players and specifically a few of them that we'll talk about that had really bad days. I look at this defense right now on the season, on the season. I have 3 Packers. 3 Packers on defense who have above a plus 1.0 grade. That is insane. That is insane. Like usually you have multiple people who are above 0.1 at this point, And you've got guys that are at like plus 0.5 or excuse me, plus 5.0 or better. And Green Bay's defense is nowhere near that. The three players who actually have like a legitimate positive grade on the season, Rashawn Gary, as expected, number one, Kenny Clark, number two, Razul Douglas, no longer on the team, number three. Those are my only three Packers that have significant positive grades on the season for Green Bay. That is unbelievable. In fact, Carrington Valentine, in his very limited playing time, is in the top five. Colby Wooden, in his very limited playing time, is the other player in the top five. And it's mostly because they just haven't played enough. And if they either of them probably had to play extended snaps, they probably go below, you know, in, in some sort of negative grade just by having to play so much. And we'll see if that's the case with Carrington because he's going to play a lot moving forward. So this defense right now is at a complete, you know, lack of players that are playing at a good enough level. You add that to a overall scheme that isn't great. It's it's just not great on defense right now. And, and if anything, and I know it felt like in the moment, hey, they held the 20 and that's that's good against the Justin Herbert, you know, led offense. It it was really, really bad when you look at how wide open players were. They let Austin Eckler get outside and just didn't set the edge on numerous occasions. Just just bad football. And that's disappointing at this point of the year. And it's easy to point to the point to look at the point production and say like, Hey, Joe Barry's doing a pretty good job. I think everyone from an eye test standpoint is well past that and is much further in the other direction of, Hey, you know, on the fired Joe Barry, I'll always say it. I'm not rooting for anyone to lose their job. I would love if Joe Barry just somehow became a hall of fame defensive coordinator tomorrow and, you know, just all of a sudden dominates and for the rest of his career, that'd be fun. I'd prefer that, but I, I see a lot of issues with this defense, and it's not just Joe Barry, to be totally clear. It is it is a lot of things, including the level of talent and the way players are playing. It's just not good enough, and it needs to get a whole heck of a lot better. I could say a lot of the same things about the special teams. Andres Carlson's going through a little bit of a rough patch right now from an inconsistency standpoint. The long snaps have been a little bit high on a couple different occasions. You've got, you know, Dallin Levitt having multiple penalties and he's no longer with Green Bay. And Matt LaFleur said it had nothing to do with the penalties. I kind of have a hard time believing that. But either way, you know, you've got two big penalties to start the game. This special teams in Rich Passaccia's second year has not taken a step forward. In fact, I would argue that it's taken a pretty decent step backwards. That That's disappointing as well. You will get some positive returns from Keyshawn Nixon, Jaden Reed, but not enough to make up for some of the other stuff that's going wrong. 
So you look at this on the whole. My overarching takeaway, pass offense, fun stuff. Disjointed a little bit still, lacking in execution a little bit still, but fun stuff. And you can see the playmaking potential. Run game, brutal. Defense, brutal. Special teams, brutal. And other than that, Packers are a really dominant football team. But still, again, big win. You'll take it. I think there's still signs of progress. You'll take that. But a lot of things that still need to be worked on. And I I think, I know there's some people that are thinking that I'm just being negative. And I I can understand based on what I've seen this week, what you're probably going to get from me more often than not, and I'm just being totally transparent with you, is when you get big wins and everyone's like, oh my God, like, and what are we seeing this week? Like, yeah, maybe the Pack- the Packers are the number eight seed. They can get back in the playoff picture. And, and like, they're, they're all of a sudden playing some really good football. I'm not here to like rain on the parade, but I'm here to be realistic and say a lot of the stuff that's gone wrong in their losses went wrong in this game as well. There were pro- There's progress. And I've said that all week long. There is legitimate signs of progress, especially in the playmaking positions. Jordan Love, awesome week this week. Really awesome week this week. I know I was harsh on him on my initial recap, but remember, I said on that, I did not watch the L22. I didn't even do a rewatch at that point. Um, sure. When I, when I talked to Perry and Alex, I at least did the rewatch, but, uh, I did not do the all 22. I, I was very impressed with Jordan in this game. And I think this was a really solid performance from Jordan, something to really be excited about. But, um, you know, I am most of the time I'm going to tell you, like, especially when it's real that, Hey, in a lot of the stuff in the losses happened in this win. And the same thing goes the other way. And I'm going to often be this way as well. When everyone's, the sky is falling, everyone sucks, fire everyone. This is a nightmare. Nobody deserves a job. I'm going to mostly tell you like, Hey, there's a lot of positives that you can take away from those games as well. And what you want to try not to do, and I recommend this for anyone, not just somebody that's analyzing it or, you know, whether you're a fan, wherever, whatever level you're on is the highs are very rarely as high as you think. And the lows are very rarely as low as you think. And that's more of where I'm at this week is it's a good win. I I love the fact that they found a way to pull out this victory, the comeback drive. I know they were aided by a Dontavian Wicks pass interference call, but like the comeback drive to go down the field and score, uh, the game-winning touchdown and beautiful throw to Romeo Dobbs, big-time catch from Romeo. That's good stuff. That's learning how to win in this league. That is big-time positives that you can take away. And even for the defense, right? Justin Herbert gets the ball back on that final drive. And, and one thing I will give the defense a lot of credit for, that, and maybe I should have said this earlier this week, but that final drive, I know you do have the the drop pass by Quentin Johnston and you do have to do that. But like they came up with some big plays too, including the big, you know, knock away from, you know, Kenny Clark at the end of that game. And they still held on to the lead. Would it have gone the same way if Quentin Johnston comes up with that pass? Maybe not. Probably not. But uh give give whatever credit you want to give, but there were still a lot of hiccups on defense, special teams, run game, but good stuff from the passing offense. So at least there's that. All right, top three grades this week, and this is where we get to talk about the the big-time positives. Number one on my list, Jordan Love, plus 1.25 grade. Really liked this game from Jordan. Thought he navigated pressure, navigated the pocket, eyes downfield. You watch JT O'Sullivan, and I don't know if he's done the Jordan Love episode this week. I don't think so, because usually I I probably would have seen it or heard about it. But, um, you know, he talks a lot about Jordan, you know, kind of getting a little bit clicky with his feet and not always... I thought he played with a much wider base this week. And I thought he stayed on platform much better in this game. And I thought you saw the accuracy sort of be married with that as it often is. 
I thought that was a positive from Jordan. He bent a couple balls. Go to Dusty Evely's Twitter page and watch him. There's a throw that he like bends around the defender and has this awesome completion down the middle of the field. Multiple throws that I put out there on my Twitter feed that you can see just some big time stuff from Jordan Love. Again, navigating the pocket, eyes downfield, multiple arm angles, better accuracy, better platform, better footwork. Awesome game from Jordan. Could he have hit the... The, the play to Musgrave? Yeah. Could have hit the play to Musgrave. Would you have liked to have seen that? Yeah. Could he put a better ball to Romeo Dobbs down the field than the one that was incomplete? Yeah. Could have put a better ball to Romeo. Maybe get another explosive. But overall, much more efficient. You know, no throwing turnover worthy plays. You had the strip sack, which I didn't put on Jordan that he's going to throw and he gets the ball knocked away because Rashid Walker got beat on the play. I think it was Walker got beat on the play. That's not Jordan. And then he did have the one bobbled snap. He recovers it right away. Mostly no harm, no follow from a turnover-worthy play standpoint. But overall, no turnover-worthy throws from an interception standpoint. Solid game for Jordan. Really positive takeaways and continues to trend in the right direction. Today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. I think it's safe to say we've officially reached the holiday season, which is sure to bring a tremendous amount of love and joy and its usual holiday cheer. But let's be real. It's also going to come with in-laws, chaos, and a fair amount of stress and anxiety as well. We've all been there. The holidays are always enjoyable, don't get me wrong, but there are also those holiday moments that we all have to deal with, and we can all deal with them in very different ways. If you're feeling anxious or nervous, sad or stressed, just know those feelings are normal, but also know that there are different ways that you can counteract those feelings. And for me, therapy has given me a beacon to look to in those difficult holiday moments. It's equipped me with the tools necessary to handle and manage a wide range of situations and a wide range of emotions. During therapy, I've learned positive ways to deal with negativity, and I've learned the skills necessary to handle all the curveballs that life likes to throw at us. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so incredibly flexible, and it's adaptable to your unique schedule. Find your bright spot this holiday season with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash packaday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash packaday. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet, do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making prize picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Romeo Dobbs plus 0.85. You obviously get the game winning touchdown, plucks it, not only plucks it out of the air, like aggressively plucks it out of the air and goes and gets it. That's a fun play. I thought he had some strong hands in a couple other situations where he threw some, you know, kind of contested comeback throws to Romeo and he came up with those. 
I like the route running. I, I loved everything about Romeo in this game. And I know Dontavian Wicks and his big run after catch and Jaden Reed with all the stuff he did in this game are going to get like the big wow takeaways. I thought Romeo was a little bit more consistent throughout the course of this game and just played a really clean game overall. And again, had the game winning touchdown catch, which is why he graded a little bit higher. But number three on my list, Jaden Reed plus 0.8, really fun day from him. I thought the reverse that was uh, not the touchdown was a lot harder and he navigated things better and just had that extra gear that you love to see. And then on the one where it was a touchdown, just blocked up really well, but he showed off his speed and athleticism on that play as well. Multiple catches down the field, just all over the place from Jaden. Also had a block on Khalil Mack that was really fun. Really great day from Jaden. And, you know, again, I thought a couple of the big plays for Jaden were a little bit more, um, like blocked up and not easy, but there for Jaden than maybe it was for Romeo, which again is why Romeo just graded ever so slightly higher, but really great days for Love, Dobbs, and Jaden Reed on offense. Bottom three graded offensive players are going to be some familiar names. Josh Myers, negative 0.55, John Runyon Jr., negative 0.25, and Yash Nyman, negative 0.15. Rashid should be over Yash at this point. I'm, uh, it's To me, it's done, it's over, and the Yash stuff. Rashid had a really great game. Uh, we'll talk about him in just a second. Easily was better than Yash in this one. Yash has been as inconsistent, if not more inconsistent than Rashid. No more upside there for Yash. There is some upside for Rashid. Yash is an under contract. Rashid is. It's just, it's hard to point to anything that Yash does better at this point. I think he's maybe slightly better as a run blocker, but he's not great as a run blocker either. I'm just, I, I would totally go with Rashid over Yash at this point. John Runyon Jr. I'm also on the, hey, it's time for Sean Ryan bandwagon. I do think Runyon has been slightly better these past couple weeks. That said, he's still graded in the negative these past couple weeks, so it's still not great. But there are plays on tape where it's like he forgot how to play football, and it is so frustrating because as I've said numerous times, I thought two years ago he was really good. Last year was bad, but it wasn't awful. This year's been pretty freaking awful. In a contract year of all seasons, like I don't get it. This is like I don't think there's coming back from this for him, meaning like if you didn't put your best foot forward in a contract year, like, and maybe he's banged up with something and he's just not letting it on or whatever, who knows? These are human beings and there's, there could be other stuff that's going on. I don't know, but it has been a significant decrease from a couple of years ago. And again, I just don't, I have a hard time believing it's all of a sudden going to bounce back. And as I mentioned to justice the other day with Josh Myers, there've been, I've, I've tried to look at Josh with under a new lens after, you know, Goody and, uh, you know, Stenovich have said he's playing the best football of his career. I just can't get there. The run blocking is brutal. The pass pro, like there's multiple plays where just like almost like falling on his face. I, I can't, I can't anymore. I'm done. I, I, I can understand why they want to keep him as the starter at this point. And justice and I talked about this the other day. I, I don't know that there's a better option to go with. I putting Zach Tom at center just to get Yash Nyman on the field. Doesn't do anything for me. I, I, you could arguably go with Sean Ryan at right guard and have Runyon and Myers fight out at center. Maybe give Runyon some snaps at center to see if maybe something clicks there. Like you could try that. I just don't know how many good options you have. So I, I think Myers is within your top five right now on the offensive line, and I probably just keep him at center. But just like it's not good enough, and you need to improve that position at some point. My other noteworthy ones on offense, there's a lot of them. Rasheed Walker, plus 0.55 grade. I thought this was his best game of the season. Pass protection was really, really good. Much better, much improved, looked much more on balance, much more confident. Hopefully this is the step that he needs moving forward. 
Elton Jenkins, plus 0.3 grade, his fourth consecutive game with a, a positive grade. His last three were like plus 0.7. So this was a little tick down, but still really great football for the past month for Elton Jenkins, which has been awesome to see. Zach Tom, Mr. Consistency, plus 0.25 grade, continues to grade in the positive. So I know some people have mentioned like, man, offensive line seems to be in the bottom three every single week. Maybe is this just Andy grading harshly for offensive linemen or is it different? Not all positions are graded equally. Like, you know, so there, there can be a difference there. But again, Zach's been in the positive almost every single week. Elton's been grading great the past four weeks. In the past, Corey Lindsley and David Bakhtiari were two of my highest graded players every single year. Like, so there's a plenty of opportunity to grade extremely well along the offensive line. It has not been the case for Myers, Newman, Runyon, Nyman, those guys, and mostly Rasheed Walker this year too. But big time game for Rasheed Walker, Elton Jenkins, Zach Tom, they all played well. Tucker Craft plus 0.35. Love that run after the catch, but he blocked well again. He continues to get better week over week. AJ Dillon plus 0.55 grade. He has been on a tear. I know running the football, it doesn't look sexy in the box score. Had some great blitz pickups, caught the ball of the backfield well. Really fun day from AJ Dillon. If you kind of go and look at it closer, I thought he put some really solid stuff on tape, ran through contact, stayed on balance. Just a night and day difference from the first month of the season to this past five, six games. Just so, so much better. Dontavian Wicks, plus 0.15 grade. Liked him in this game, but did have the big drop. Had a couple routes that he didn't run accurately um, or consistently. Still some stuff to clean up, but some big time plays from Wicks too. Uh, I I just thought there was a little bit more of a variance there for Wicks, but still a positive day overall. Top three grades on defense, as I mentioned, not any huge positive grades here. Corey Ballantyne, plus 0.2, thought he was consistent all day long. Gave up a couple completions here and there, but he's been really good overall, given this is a practice squad special teams guy that's been starting at corner and he's been holding up. Pretty darn impressive from Ballantyne. Isaiah McDuffie, plus 0.15. He came in for uh, Devondre Campbell, actually played better than Campbell, had a couple nice uh, plays in coverage and in the in the run game late in the game. It was just enough to get him a slight positive. And then Carrington Valentine, higher variance there. Again, the, the end of the game could have got beat deep for a potential game losing touchdown by Quentin Johnston. Um, wasn't to be. And through the rest of the game, he had some pretty sticky coverage, but Still some some high variance there for Carrington Valentine, but it still ended up as a net positive overall. Bottom three players on defense. Jonathan Owens, negative 1.45, one of my lowest grades. If not my lowest grade, I'll have to go back and look. I think it might've been my lowest grade on the season for maybe anyone, but awful game. The tackle, uh, the lack thereof uh, on the the tight end on the big touchdown was brutal. I thought he had a couple plays in coverage where he looked entirely lost, just not a great game. And as Justice and I talked about, kind of got away with him for two weeks, but the Chargers went after him early often, and he just did not have any answers, did not come up and play the run as he as consistently as he had in previous weeks, just sort of a, a hang with him for Jonathan Owens. And hopefully he can bounce back and play better, but this was a tough, tough game for Owens. TJ Slayton, this one was disappointing, negative 0.6. After he'd had a pretty good month of football, he kind of regressed back, played far too high and was able to get moved around a little bit and just wasn't able to get any penetration or hold up like he has been, again, over the past month. These are the things with Slayton that get frustrating because there will be games where he just goes out and dominates and you can't move him and he's in the backfield and he's making splash plays and you're like, oh my goodness, this guy can be so freaking good. And then you get games like this where he just, again, his technique, it's it almost looks like lazy. Again, he's playing way too high and you're not going to win that way in the NFL just needs to be better and more consistent from Slayton. And then Keyshawn Nixon, negative 0.4. 
the the frustrating one, I think there's a third down where uh, Alex Erickson, guy they've just brought up off the practice squad, former Badger, just beats him clean inside with like relative ease. Those are the sort of things that you see uh, missed tackle in the backfield on a play. Just this has kind of been the, the story from Keyshawn Nixon. It's not ever like brutal and it's very rarely that he's the one getting beat for a big play, but he does get beat pretty regularly in coverage and isn't the greatest against the run and just kind of lacking some of those big plays. So I don't ever, it's never to the point where I'm like, man, he's a huge, it's like a huge issue having Keyshawn on the field, but it is very rarely grading the positive. And usually you end up with these like negative 0.4 grades where it ends up being a negative day on the whole. Noteworthy ones, Kenny Clark plus uh, 0.05 grade, slight positive. A lot of people ask me, PFF had a huge grade on him this week. It's so funny because I've been higher on Kenny Clark all year than PFF. This week was the one where I had more of a neutral grade and they had an extremely high grade on them. Know that PFF grades, um, like big turnover worthy plays, really, really high, which understandable. I do as well. I thought the forced fumble in this one was a huge play in the game. Also had the game ending, you know, bat, batted down pass, two monster plays, had two plays on the interior where he just beat the center clean. So there's some really good stuff from Kenny Clark on tape in this one. I also thought there's about 40 snaps somewhere around there where he's just not beating his guy almost at all and just kind of getting stalemated, which is why it sort of averaged back out to a slight positive grade rather than the huge positive grade that PFF had on, on him this week. But you want to talk about impact plays? Kenny was about the only one that came up with him this week uh, for the Packers defense and when they really needed it most. So if you want to give Kenny a huge grade in this one, just based on that alone, I get it. I'm there. I, I totally understand it, but it just evened out a little bit more for me. Carl Brooks, I know too, a lot of people at PFF had a big grade on him. The sack was an awesome play, right? Beats the guard clean, turns the corner, chases down Justin Herbert, makes the sack. Just a beautiful chef kiss teaching tape play from Carl Brooks. Love Carl Brooks. He's going to be a really good player. It's sort of the same thing. One big flash explosive play. Had a couple other decent plays, but a lot of just getting stalemated at the line of scrimmage as well through the like the vast majority of the rest of his playing time on the field. That's why I just kind of evened out a little bit more for, for Carl Brooks for me. But both had some big time plays in the game and certainly are deserving of recognition for coming up with those big plays in a game where the defense really struggled to come up with any big time plays. All right, so that is uh, it for my notes and review and grades. Top three offensive players, really quick, one more time. Jordan Love, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed. Bottom three, Josh Myers, John Runyon Jr., and Yash Nyman. Top three on defense, Corey Ballantyne, Isaiah McDuffie, and Carrington Ballantyne. Bottom three, Jonathan Owens, TJ Slayton, and Keyshawn Nixon. Shout out to our Hall of Fame and All-Pro members, Most Hated Minnesotan, PJ Wynn, John Wild, Che Dad, Arnoldo Espinosa, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Donald Lee, and Lori Lord. If you haven't checked out Packaday Podcast memberships yet, maybe do it. That'd be great. I'd love it. Uh, if not, subscribe, like, comment, give those five-star reviews, tell a friend about the podcast, tell everyone how much you love Packaday. Check out Packaday Podcast merchandise at packadaypodcast.com. Enough about that. I'll see you guys soon, but until next time, and as always, go Packo.